Good morning. All right. Uh, we'll find ourselves in church conference for a, a brief vote, but before we do that, I'm going to introduce Angela Patterson, who's the chairperson of our finance committee, to introduce um, the budget for you today. Uh, we're going to be voting on the budget. We've had it uh, available in the back of the church to pick up a copy. Hopefully you've had a chance to look over it. I know we had uh, available for questions and answers. We actually didn't have any questions this year on it, so um, I guess we'll go ahead and have the vote on that. All right. So we'll use that as our motion to adopt our budget for uh, the coming church year. Uh, since that's coming from our church, our finance committee, it does not need a second so at this time we'll vote, and we'll vote by a standing vote. And if you can't stand, you can raise your hand. Um, but all in favor of adopting this as our budget for 2020-2021, please stand now. Thank you. You may be seated. And all those opposed, uh, you, you may stand or, or raise your hand now as well. All right. That motion carries. Um, it's time to worship. Let's worship. Amen. If you didn't know what to do, then that means you're visiting with us. Because I see some visitors going, what, what, what do I do? What do I do? Hey, we're glad that you're visiting with us. And we do want to, to uh, start our service in prayer. So let's pray together. Lord, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for uh, your goodness to us. Father, thank you that uh, we are able to worship here in this place together with brothers and sisters. And we pray for our service today, Lord, that everything that we say, everything that we sing, everything that we do would bring honor and glory to you, Jesus. Thank you for uh, what you're doing in our church family. And as we think about budgets and we think about growth and we think about new friends and, Lord, reaching our community and dis being disciples, uh, making disciples, Lord, that support, shelter, and serve the transforming work of Jesus. We pray that you'd give us your wisdom in these days and weeks ahead. Now bless our service together today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you, bud. Well, good morning. I want to welcome everyone to Crossroads today. Glad to see you, uh, especially our visitors. We wanted to uh, uh, let you know of a couple of announcements that we have coming up. For those of you that are watching on the live stream, we want to welcome you to the service today as well and pray that God blesses you through uh, the music and the word today. Also, uh, if you're visiting, and uh, uh, we'd love for you to fill out one of those connect cards that you'll see in the back of the chairs there. Uh, you can put it in the offering plate or you can give it to one of our staff members or ushers as you leave today um, just so we can get a record of your visit and any way we can serve you guys uh, as a church uh, in a little bit, the offering is going to be taken up, and so uh, you can, like I said, you can put those uh, connect cards there. Uh, we are right now we are taking up grocery gift cards uh, for our Christmas family. So uh, if you would like to help uh, participate in that ministry uh, during the Christmas time, uh, several families that will be helping serve uh, during this Christmas time, um, you can bring those by the office, or you can bring them on Sundays, or uh, the youth can bring them on Wednesdays, and we'll, we'll put them in the office, and we'll get those to our families as well. Uh, and just uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, uh, as you can see, uh, the uh, stage has been uh, decorated and uh, for our Christmas play uh, called Gulligan's Island. It's going to be uh, on Saturday, December 5th at 7 p.m., or Sunday, uh, December 6th at 
uh, 5 p.m. There is no meal this year. There is no reservation this year. It's first come, first serve. And uh, we've got a little video uh, to uh, promote that. So thank you guys for being with us today. Hi, it's me, Carrie Ann. I'm waiting for Gulligan to come back from the lagoon, and I sure hope he caught some fish this time. I really need it to make the coconut fish chowder I'm making us for dinner tonight. Captain Clipper may have to go out on a search for him if he does not return soon. Join us on Saturday, December 5th at 7 p.m. and Sunday, December 6th at 5 p.m. to see if we finally get rescued. See you there. This is not 
We can have our ushers to come down at this time, please. Let's have a prayer together. Father, we thank you so much for all that you do for us. I pray, God, that you would use this time of giving, for it is an opportunity that we give back to you what's already yours. Now use this time as you bless the gift as well as the giver today. We pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.
I don't get to say it enough, but I work with some of the best people in all the world. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for media and audio. I'm thankful for these ladies and these gentlemen. I'm thankful that everybody that takes a part. I'm thankful for Sunday school teachers. I'm thankful for those that serve in many capacities on different teams and committees. I'm thankful because that shows the church at work. It shows that so many of us have different gifts and different abilities, but we all use them in different capacities, but yet we come as one, working as one great power force for Christ. Wow, what a beautiful picture of the church. I want to share something today that happened this past Wednesday. Now, I don't know if this dear lady is, is with us today, but Kim Turner was in concert this past uh, Wednesday. And we were sitting here, a, a, a sweet dear lady came in. I turned around, well, Heath was waving. And I, I said, well, I, Heath knows her, so I just, you know, I just waved. And, and uh, she had a seat. Well, Kim started singing and started ministering. Well, then this lady got up and came down and knelt here at the altar. Well, Kim kind of looked at me for a moment, and I kind of looked at him, and it was almost like we had to connect for a second. And he paused from singing, and he got to talking about the gospel and about how Jesus loved us. Well, that lady uh, started weeping. Well, then Teresa Harmon got up. She came down. Well, then they got up and they went around the side there. Teresa went that way. Well, I got up. I motioned. Here come here. Renelle was walking down. Uh, I motioned. Vicky was walking over. Well, I walked over and I said, well, let's step back here where we can talk. Ken began to sing again. And this lady said, I was riding by the church. I could not get over things that have happened in my life. And I could not come to grips with some things that were happened in my past. And I was just riding and riding, and I rode by the church here. And every time I rode by, I felt the presence of God. So she said, I turned right in. That lady got saved right here. At this all. But it was nothing that we did. It was nothing that Ken Turner did. It was all by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm thankful that I serve a church and I serve a group of people that is sensitive to the power of the Holy Spirit. So he can move within us. He can even move beyond us. So that when people ride by, they sense the spirit of the Lord. And they are drawn to him. For the scripture says, Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. We are just instruments being used by the great master. So I think that's something to praise the Lord about today. It is. 
We're going to ask the singers to come on down. We're going to worship today as we sing, Come, you thankful people, come. An old traditional uh, Baptist song. And then, thank you, Lord. And then, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. And I would like to ask that you come tonight as we have our special time of Thanksgiving. And we have many opportunities that we all can share in a creative way tonight of how God is good to all of us. So let's stand together as we sing these songs of the church today. All right. to God himself. How many thankful people do we have here? 
I raise both of my hands because I'm thankful to God for what he does. Let's sing this. I've asked these uh, instrumentalists to start us off, and then we're going to sing the rest of it a cappella. Let's lift our voices. This is a song that I learned and many of you learned as a child. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Let's sing this together again. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me. Good morning, church family. It's good to see you today. And uh, I want to echo Joey's list of thankful things because I tell you what, if I start, uh, I will be here all day thanking God for his goodness. If you've got a Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 4. While you're turning there, let me also say a couple of thank yous to, uh, to you as a church family. One, I want to say thank you for your response for our Operation Christmas Child uh, effort. I think we were 250, 60, 70, uh, almost 300 maybe at the end, uh, shoeboxes with Operation Christmas Child. Way to go, way to go. Thank you so much. And also want to say thank you uh, for your uh, loving on uh, Dr. Neelan Brown last weekend. Uh, he did not want to leave. I mean, he so enjoyed our church and our fellowship and uh, being with you and uh, just sharing and, of course, our luncheon that we had on Friday with the business leaders and then on Saturday that we had with some area pastors. He also, I don't know if you caught this or not in some of what he shared, uh, he was also very thankful for Bojangles. <laughs> they don't have Bojangles in Wichita, Kansas. And uh, I was taking him to the airport and he said, Brother Jack, can you, can you do me a favor on the way to the airport? I said, sure, absolutely. He said, can we swing through the Bojangles? He said, I just feel the Holy Spirit leading us to pull through there. I want to get about 10 biscuits, 10 chicken biscuits, and take to my sweet wife. And uh, so he packed those, and we pulled over, and he stuffed those in his suitcase. And I need to follow up with him because he texted me Sunday afternoon. And he said, you're not going to believe this, that you know my plane has been delayed, 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 uh, canceled. I'm going to jump on a flight. Uh, from here to Dallas, Texas, and then get in a rental car and drive to Wichita and get home about 4 a.m. And then, as some of you know, he was leaving Monday to, to fly to a funeral of a family member in California. So I'm not sure if the chicken biscuits survived uh, or they got thrown out. I don't know, but I'll find out. But thank you, church family. He was uh, just felt so much love, and he just he continued to say on the ride, he was just... Doing this and just, Pastor Jack, Pastor Jack, you're just, you're just blessed. You're just blessed. I said, you know what? I know. I know. I know. So thank you so much for just uh, loving on him. I came into church this morning and I was, I was sharing with Joey. When I came in, it was kind of dark and there was a chair over here. 
And I came in and I, I hit this shin on, on one chair. And then I got to the back thinking I'll get to the lights. And then I hit this shin on, the, on another chair. I told Joey, I said, I just wanted to start doing this, just kicking, so I could get all bruised up. And, uh, and then I started thinking, Jack, what are, you, what are you preaching on this morning? Thankfulness. And then I thought, I, thank the Lord I got two legs to walk around. Even though they're bruised up, I got two legs. So I'm glad that you're grateful and I am grateful this morning. And we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4. Just a few verses, starting with verse 4. Here's what Paul says to us. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit, some translations may have a different word there for gentle, we'll talk about that in a minute, your reasonableness, some translations, be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding or comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, some of you know this about Paul. When he wrote this letter to the church at Philippi, he was in prison. So it's interesting to me that a guy who is in prison is talking about joy. That's actually the theme of the book of Philippians. Here he is talking about joy, and yet he is in prison, which tells me something. My external circumstances do not dictate whether I have joy or not. They might dictate happiness, as the world defines happiness, but it doesn't dictate whether I have joy or not. And so, thank you. Yeah, if you were here for Neelan, Neelan said you got to talk back to him. And you guys did well talking back to Neelan. And I'm like, man, I kind of like that. That might help me on Sunday morning. It might help me finish my sermon quicker, too. <laughs> amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Oh, my God. Y'all get Pentecostal now. <laughs> Woo. Joy is important. He even says here, to start off this verse, he says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, rejoice. Joyce. And if you actually look at that word rejoice, it's, it's like re-joy. So he's almost saying joy, joy, and joy, joy. In case you're not understanding what he's trying to say, he's saying joy. There is tremendous power in joy, the theme of joy. I share with our worship team this morning a quote that I came across this week. It talks about joy in the Lord, and here's what it says. Charles Spurgeon said this, People who are very happy, especially those that are happy in the Lord or have that joy in the Lord, are not apt either to give offense or to take offense. Their minds are so sweetly occupied with higher things that they're not easily distracted by the little troubles which naturally arise among such imperfect creatures as we. Joy in the Lord is the cure for all discord. I love that. I love that. And for those of us who claim to know Jesus, who is the author of joy, and joy comes from our relationship with Him, it's a joy that's inexplainable, Paul says in other letters he writes to the churches. For those of us who know that, it's an astounding power that we have to live the Christian life. And I found in my own life, when we have joy, it actually helps us focus. Joy helps us prioritize because we start to realize those things, perhaps that we are nitpicky about, really don't matter. Because we have the joy of the Lord within our hearts. And that's the key part is joy in the Lord. So here Paul is in prison. He's writing this letter. And he answers maybe a question that you're asking today and I'm asking in the crazy world in which we live. How can I respond with thanksgiving? 
And I'm so glad what Joey said because there's a lot of chaos and confusion in the world and especially with our wonderful media. We can get our attention on all the craziness and zaniness and miss out on the joy of the Lord. Did you know that the world, the media, society, culture can steal our joy away? Did you know that? And when that happens... I don't know if you've noticed this in your own life. I've noticed it in mine. All of a sudden, the fuel, in a sense, that that helps me uh, get excited and passionate about living the Christian life is taken away. Because what does the Bible say? The joy of the Lord is my strength. So the enemy wants to take that joy away. And here he is trying to do that in the life of Paul. And Paul's very clear. He gives us some instructions about how we can respond with thankfulness. What does he say? Here's the first thing he says to us. In that very first part of those verses, in verse 5, he says, Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Remember the Lord is near. If you want to respond with thankfulness in the world in which we live, that's the first thing to remember is the Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. Connie just sung about it. Sometimes the blessings of life. I love that. What if our trials were mercies in disguise? Jesus is here. This is our temporary home. The Lord is at hand. One day we won't be on this planet. Right now the temporary trials of life may may for just a moment take away that joy that we really need to experience in Christ. But if we'll remember the Lord is near, the Lord is at hand, that will help us be thankful. Because when you and I live in the awareness that Jesus will soon return, it makes it much more easy to rejoice in the Lord. That's a great reminder for me. I can get very caught up in living in the world. I can start thinking about the future. Nothing wrong with those things and doing this and, you know, retirement one day and grandkids one day, maybe in about 20, 30 years, maybe grandkids. My kids are watching or listening. And all those things are great. Those are the gifts of God that he has given to us while we live on this planet. But make no mistake, those are temporary things compared to the greatness that one day the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will come and take those of us who know him to live with him forever. The Lord is at hand. I mean, you look at what's happening in our world. It could be this afternoon. It wouldn't surprise me. As a great theologian, Clark Griswold said, I wouldn't be more surprised if I woke up tomorrow morning with my head sewn to the carpet. I wouldn't. Because the world is poised for the return of Jesus Christ to happen at any moment. But he says something very interesting in this verse. And I had to to read this and look at other books that Paul wrote. And look at uh, commentary and even go back to the wonderful Greek language to try to figure out what is Paul saying right here. Because he says something interesting. He says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Some translations have a different word. Some translations have moderation. That's kind of confusing. What does that mean? Some translations say forbearance. Let your forbearance be known to all men. How can you do that? What does that mean? Well, it's not just being kind to all people in light of the fact that the Lord is at hand. You see what's happening in our world with uh, all the politics and all the things that are going, all the chaos, all the division. It's real easy for us, even, in, even those of us who say we're Christians, to get so self-absorbed in all that that we start to respond in the wrong way. And we forget that the Lord is at hand. And so Paul is trying to say to these people, he's saying, hey, it's not just one thing to treat people fairly. It's not just one thing to treat people with justice. 
We live in a world right now where everybody's calling for justice. I'm not sure what you're calling for if you're calling for justice. You might want to investigate the definition of justice. Because if you and I got justice from God, we would be an ash heap on the ground because God would treat us with justice. I don't want the justice of God. So what is Paul saying? He's trying to explain to these people that there's something way beyond justice. Here's what I read. It says, to the Christian, as Paul sees it, the man who knows there is something beyond justice is what he's implying in this verse. The woman, for example, taken in adultery when they, were, when they brought her before Jesus, Jesus could have applied the letter of the law to this woman. And she should have been stoned to death. But he went far beyond justice. So as far as justice goes, again, there's not one of us here that really wants the justice of God because it would be condemnation. Jesus goes far beyond us in his relationship with us, far beyond justice. And Paul is saying here to these Christians that he's writing to at Philippi, he's saying the true mark of God working in your life is that you know when to insist on justice and you also know when there's a time to be beyond justice. If you're a parent, you probably discovered those times. There's been times where you've laid down the letter of the law and there's been times where you've gone, hmm, That's not a good thing to do right now because you deserve some grace and some mercy. That that understanding of the difference is what Paul is trying to explain to them that's so important right now. And the way that you keep that balance in check is this. You remember the Lord is at hand. That's how you keep that balance in check. You remember that Jesus is soon returning. That is something to be thankful for. That's how we can respond with thanksgiving. We can be aware that the Lord is at hand. But the second thing that he says, and this is one where, yeah, my toes get a little bloody because the Bible starts stepping on them. The Word of God starts stepping on them. The second thing that he says is not only remember the Lord's at hand, but realize we don't have to be anxious. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, that hurt, didn't it? He says, be anxious for nothing. You need to understand, and I need to understand, that is a command. That's not a suggestion for us that are believers. He is saying, do not be anxious. Say, Jack, how in the world do we not be anxious with all the stuff that's going on in the world? What he's really saying is, don't put an undue amount of care, an undue amount of responsibility on your shoulders responsibility that you should not even have on your shoulders. The analogy he's using here would be almost like if I uh, had a a child and they were five years old and I sat, sat them down at the dinner table and said, now here's what you need to do this week. You need to pay the power bill. You need to pay the mortgage. You need to go make sure the car's filled up with gas. Oh, by the way, we need food in the garage. We would never do that to a five year old child as a parent. That would be way undue responsibility. And what he's saying here is, he's saying, brothers and sisters, that's what we do as followers of Jesus sometimes, is we take the responsibilities that only the creator of the world should be carrying on his shoulders, and we go, okay, God, I can do that. How ludicrous is that? I do it. He's saying, don't be anxious for anything. If you want to be able to be thankful and respond with thankfulness, realize you don't have to be anxious. When we're anxious, what we really are doing is we're doubting the power of God. We're doubting the providence of God. We're doubting the faithfulness of God. 
I would encourage you, I, I need to get back into doing this, so as I say this, I'm challenging myself. I used to keep a diary. Okay, that's not hip and cool for a guy. I used to keep a journal. There we go. Got to be politically correct. I used to keep a journal, and I would take notes of things that I would pray for, and I would go back after God answered the prayer, and I would put the date that He answered. And you know what that book became? I haven't done this in many years. I need, I need to do this again. What it became was a powerhouse, a weapon, so that when the enemy tried to get me to doubt the power and providence and faithfulness of God, I would go, well, just hang on just a minute, devil. Hang on, hang on. Let me open this up. And I would start going through seeing where God had answered and provided and been faithful. When we don't do that mentally or whether we write it down physically, what we're doing is we're allowing the enemy to get into our mind and cause us to be anxious. Folks, it's an epidemic, in case you weren't aware. Depression, anxiety, loneliness. This, is, this really is not a commercial, but I, I wrote this over the last year. Some of you asked me about this. And if you get one of these, I get these at cost, and the profit will go to the church. Okay, so this is not, well, the pastor's making some money off his book. No, you get one of these from me at the, my cost, the profit will go to the church. What I discovered over the last year, 16 months or so, of studying this whole issue is this, is this is a big deal in our culture. Now more than ever before are people anxious, depressed, lonely, suicidal, say, well, they just need to turn to God. Men and women, yes, we know Jesus is the answer, but there is nothing wrong with, I've said this before a few weeks ago, I think, there's nothing wrong with seeing a doctor, a counselor, a psychiatrist, a psychologist. Those people can be used of God to help bring mental health to us. We don't need to apologize for that. We are in a warped world. And yes, we need the Word of God, and yes, we need Jesus, and yes, we need to not be anxious. And Paul is trying to explain here to these folks that he's writing to the church at Philippi, hey, if you really want to respond with gratitude and thankfulness, you've got to remember the Lord is at hand. And number two, you've got to not be anxious for anything. Boy, that's easier said than done. How many of you don't raise your hand have been anxious this week? I have. Do we not trust the creator of the world, the king of the universe? The very fact that you and I are sitting here breathing... It's not because you're gifted. It's not because you've got it figured out. Oh, I, okay, I know how to do it. No, it's because God right now is giving you the very breath and the ability to... God just did that. Why am I anxious? That's my Heavenly Father who loves me. We want to respond with thanksgiving the right way. We've got to realize we don't have to be anxious. Number three, here's what he says to us. Respond with the gift of prayer. He says, don't be anxious for anything. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving. Now prayer is this broader word of communication, right? But then he adds in there supplication. Which I'm, Paul, I'm really glad you put that in there. Because that means that I can bring my needs to my Abba Father, my Daddy. And I can just say, Lord, I need this, I need this. And he listens because he cares for me. Supplication is asking God directly to do something. You know what that tells me? God's listening. God's listening. He's listening to my prayer. He's listening to your prayer. 
And one of the ways that I can respond with thankfulness today is to respond with this gift of prayer, to let God know my request. Now, God is all-knowing. God already knows what you need before you ask. So you may think like I do sometimes, then why do I even need to tell God? He already knows. It's a great question. Maybe, maybe He wants you to express them yourself so you really know where your dependence is. Maybe he's waiting on you to participate with him in a conversation so that when the prayer is answered, you can look back and go, wow, I actually voiced that petition to God and he showed up and he answered. I don't know. I mean, I know God knows what I'm thinking before I think it. He knows what I'm going to say before I say it. He knows my needs before I do. He actually, if you study scripture, he's actually working to meet my needs before I even know that I'm going to have a need. How incredible a God is that? That he thinks that far in advance. That's amazing. I can't wrap my head around it. But it's amazing. He loves us that much. We can, we should respond with thanksgiving in prayer. Somebody said this, the Christian must feel that all his life he lives. He's suspended between past and present blessings. This blessing, oh, there's another, oh, there's another. We're just living from blessing to blessing because God's goodness and his faithfulness is so incredible. Every prayer that I pray, I'm trying to get in the habit of making sure I include thanks. By the way, think about it. Not only your prayers are a way to ask God for supplication and your needs, but the very gift of prayer is something to be thankful for. That God actually wants to commune and have a conversation with me. Wow. So when we pray, we turn our attention and our focus to God, it implies a couple of things. First of all, it implies this. It implies our gratitude. Because we're acknowledging that God, the sovereign God of the world, is who we're having a conversation with. It implies gratitude. The other thing it implies is that we want to see God and His will accomplished in our lives. We focus our attention to Him. So God is speaking to us through His Word. Paul is reminding us if we want to really respond with thanksgiving in our heart, we have to remember the Lord is at hand. We have to remember He's near, He's at hand. We have to realize that we don't need to be anxious for anything. Respond with the gift of thankfulness. Respond with the gift of prayer. But here's the last one, and this is one of my favorites. Receive the peace of God. He says, let your prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let those requests be made known to God. And when you do, here's what happens. Here is the result of letting your requests be made known to God. Now, before I tell you the result, let me just say that sometimes the reason I don't experience this in my life is because I haven't done the first thing. And the first thing is letting my supplication and my request be known to God, which, by the way, when I do that, gets rid of the anxiety. You see how this is connected? So when I let my request, my supplication be made known to God, the anxiety goes away, and then the result is this. The result, he says, is the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, boom, becomes real for me. i got to tell you, in the last eight months, it has been a roller coaster ride for us as staff. I heard a pastor say this past week. If you've been a pastor during the pandemic, it's like dog years. You were a pastor for seven years instead of one. Because the pandemic counts for seven. That's probably pretty accurate. 
And I've been going, wow, if, if there's ever a time on the planet we needed peace, not just for us as staff, not just for you as a church member, not just for people outside these walls, now is the time we need the peace of God. And here's what Paul says, if you want to have the peace of God, if you don't want to be anxious, let your prayer requests, your supplications be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will do something. It will guard your heart's and your mind. I love that. I love that. If you study the Greek, I'm not a Greek theologian, but every now and then I'll kind of study to see what it has to say. And it's a wealth of information when you start digging into the original language of the Bible. What he's really saying there is, when he says the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He's almost using the analogy of a sentinel who's standing there at attention, fully loaded with all the armor of God and all the weaponry to say, no, there's nothing coming against this heart or against this mind that will take away the peace of God. That's amazing. That's powerful. The peace of God is there standing ready like a sentinel, protecting our hearts, protecting our minds from anything that would try to get in and cause us not to feel peace, to cause us to feel restless, lonely, anxious, Fearful. That's a powerful piece, by the way. That's not a psychological home, home. That's not the kind of piece it's talking about. It's talking about a supernatural peace that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit that you can't wrap your head around, you can't understand, you can't comprehend because it surpasses all comprehension and understanding. This peace of God. By the way, then, that means it can only be produced by God. Some of us are trying to find the peace of God by other things in the world. And we're wondering why we don't have the peace of God. It's because we're trying to find the peace from something else to equal the peace of God. The only way you'll get the peace of God is from God. <laughs> That's why it's called the peace of God. And not the peace of real estate or the peace of your bank account. Or the peace of your stock. Or the peace of your political party. Or the peace of the person you wanted for president. It's called the peace of God. The peace of God. Which will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So the peace comes from God. And we have the peace of God. How do we get the peace of God? Well, we have to have peace with God first. Which implies we have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. God's Son. That's the first way to have thanksgiving is to recognize that you and I, for those of us who know Jesus, we have experienced the peace of God through Jesus Christ. So now we have peace with God because of our relationship. Then we'll get the peace of God which passes all understanding. So a couple of questions for us this morning. How are you responding with thanksgiving? Are you letting the weight of the world play mind games with you? Turn your TV off. Turn your media channels that you're watching off. Take a social media fast for about two weeks and I will give you a 100% money back guarantee your attitude will change. I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm just saying. If you have a steady diet of that 
and a poor diet of this, does it take a rocket scientist or a brain surgeon to understand what's going to win up here? And a great mentor of mine told me years ago, you lose here, you lose here, you lose here, you lose. And the enemy is great at trying to get into our heads and cause us to doubt. Have you remembered or would you remember that the Lord is at hand? Maybe today you just say, Jack, you confess this to the Lord, not to me. You may say, Lord, I, I, uh, I'm anxious. Help me. Help me. That's the, that's the third part is praying and saying, God, help me. I'm anxious. Help me not to be anxious. Take that gift of prayer. And when you do, not Jack's promise, but the word of God promises that when you do, what will happen, the result will be the peace of God, like a sentinel standing at your heart and at, at your mind, will stand there and guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Wow, that's awesome. I need that this week. How about you? Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for these friends. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you, God, that we can be thankful. I thank you that we can respond with thanksgiving because of all that you've done for us. That like Paul, we can have the joy of the Lord. Because we can know that we belong to you and that you're coming again. And there's no reason for us to be anxious. That if we'll receive that gift of prayer, this free gift from you, Lord. That when we receive that free gift of prayer, God, we also receive the peace of God because that's what your word promises. So I pray for these friends in this room today. If anyone here would say they, they have not ever experienced the peace of God because they don't have peace with God. That they would surrender their lives to you today. Friends, while you're praying today, if you're here today and you'd say, I, I, I don't have the peace of God, nor the peace with God. I need to know Jesus today. I'm going to invite you in just a minute when we sing a song of invitation. We call it a song of invitation because the Lord wants to invite you to respond to his word today. That today you just need to say, Lord, I am so confused in all the chaos, but I know that I need peace with you. And I want you to have your way in my life. I'm going to invite you in just a minute just to come forward and grab my hand or grab the hand of our teaching pastor and student pastor Heath and just say, would you, would you pray with me today? We would have no greater joy today than to do that. Church family, maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know what? Wow, what a, what a roller coaster ride the last several months have been. I need to know the peace of God. Maybe you just need to come and kneel at one of these chairs or at the steps this morning and just make your request known to God. He's listening. He loves you. Ask the Lord to put that sentinel to stand at guard at your heart and your mind. And to give you his peace. I don't know how God's speaking to you this morning, but I just pray that you'd be obedient. We're going to stand here in just a second and have an invitation to him, and you respond as the Lord leads. Father, I pray that you'd have your way during this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand again?